0: And Adam Luckett, we made it. Football season. It's here. It's game week. We did it.
1: Finally. Finally here.
0: Oh. feels almost surreal. I want to, like, on one hand, I wanted to do, like, some sort of big introduction, but, like, I'm kind of like how Terry Wilson was talking tonight. I'm just ready to play. Like, let's just, the ner- just yeah
1: out. The, the nervous energy has definitely gotten to me a little bit, where I'm just like, it's only like, Monday. It's only like, Tuesday. <laughs> Thinking about how this game's going to break oh, down.
0: Thank God maybe, it's a nooner in different ways. Like if we had to, I know we were really bummed that it got the nine, uh, the, the noon slate initially, but like, I don't think our, our nerves could handle that. Like it, we're going to be up at eight a.m. Saturday morning, just like sweat, ready to go. Mm-hmm. It's 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 going to be awesome. So uh, hopefully we can help. Uh, you get through the waiting part because, as Tom Petty told us, the wait is the hardest part. This is 11-person. I'm Nick Crouch. He's Adam Luckett. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Auburn Tigers today. I I feel like we did a pretty good job, Luckett, of like kind of pacing ourselves with the Auburn talk, although we have been beating this drum ever since we went live after the SEC released their schedule uh, back in, was it July or August? It feels like Late forever July. ago, like the
1: last Friday in July, I think.
0: Yeah, so it, we made it. We're finally here. We get to talk about Auburn, but first, like it, we got to say "I told you so" to a couple of folks out there because it really felt good to say "I told you so" to all those haters and losers who actually like the
1: Louisville Cardinals. A lot of Louisville people got. Uh, taste of some sour medicine with the O oh, not lining up correctly after years and years of mm. making that joke ten trillion times. Well, they and- had two busts. And now the 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 story kind of nationally about Satterfield is like defensively, they're not coached very well. They're they're out they're um not lined up correctly. They've had these busts. They've had Every good team they've played has put a crooked number on them, has ran for umpteen yards. And now it's kind of like, whoa, like, is this – is there like some mummy to him? Is it, you know, are we going to score a lot of points? But, you know, we're going to give up 35, so we're going to win a shootout. Now, that's not what he was at App State, but that's kind of what they're they're at right now. Now they still need to get some players in there. But that that identity they're building of – every good team we play that really good team I mean that has a talent advantage like a step up talent wise every time they play somebody like that they, they get a crooked number put on them I mean it's happened a bunch of times They even one game from they allow well, 50 like that Wake Forest comeback last year we watched up in the press box that was crazy and even Syracuse put a big number on them but they scored like 68 points so it didn't matter but there is that developing. I think that that was the biggest I think thing to take from that game.
0: Yeah, and there was there was a great thread that Richard Johnson put out there. And if you if you don't know Richard Johnson, he uh, formerly he, hell he still might be with SB Nation, but he's going to be on the SEC Networks Thinking Out Loud show, um, which was formerly Marcus Spears and Greg McElroy. He'll be on there with Spencer Hall and uh, Boykin, uh, Brandon Boykin, next Monday to talk about all the action and Richard Johnson's one of the he's kind of like a a scheme nerd if you will Uh, but really it was as he he put it pretty plainly it was just like here's a running just like all of the big plays Miami had and they were all to the boundary side of the field so when lined up on the hash they were just overcompensating for all of the open space in the field and nobody was there and my favorite play was that long run because Louisville was just in man, and they just mo- they just motioned somebody away from the boundary, and there was nobody there except a linebacker. And I, I mean, he, all you had to do is get to the edge, and they were gone. And that happened multiple times, and I think my favorite part of it all is that your man Bruce Feldman really drank the Brian Brown Kool Aid and already had Louisville's defensive coordinator as a candidate for Southern Miss's head coaching vacancy. It's like you mean that that guy is supposed to be a head coach like those are like when you're blowing assignments that badly like that's it's
1: kind of coaching it's kind of coaching i think miami watched the kentucky tape from last year (laughs) because if you remember what kentucky did a lot of it was overloading and running to the nub side is what they would call it or the boundary yep and you get kind of a numbers advantage there and you get one reach block and then the one time uh, on that one the defensive end stunts inside and then the safety kind of gets caught up mm-hmm. in the wash and, and there's nobody there. It's an easy score. And then the second time the the safety just had bad eyes. The guy just you know ran right through. They ran a the little wheel route or whatever running mm-hmm. back to out of the backfield. Th- those are just things that they haven't got fixed. Like that's kind of what they are. They have well, these busts on defense and you can get them for them if you, if you call it right.
0: And offensively, how I was, I called them frauds last week because they're all big play and you just saw them struggle when they couldn't just be one big player after another. Now, mm-hmm. I got to give JV on Hawkins. He's a one. stud. The he's a stud. He's, he's awesome. He's good because their offensive line sucks. Like, I, Mangus was trying to get into an argue with me over Twitter. He was like, are you drunk? It's like, no, your offensive line is getting pushed back, but they're just running outside zone. So, like, if you just get a body on somebody, you don't have to push them down the field. The line of scrimmage was moving backwards, but Hawkins is so good, he just finds the little gap and shoots forward for eight yards. Like that touchdown
1: run on their first drive where it's the outside zone, right? He just kind of does a spin, cuts it back, and then scores on the backside. John. That's just – that's, that's just instincts. And we <laughs> saw it against Kentucky on that draw. He scored on a touchdown before half. Kentucky had it defended pretty well. He just makes one great cut, and then he's gone. He's just really good. And he's the motor to everything. Cunningham uh, and Atwell make all the big plays, but he's right. the guy that sets it all up and kind of gets them the opportunities to really be successful because he provides that efficiency that they need.
0: I do think it's probably wise if Malik goes back to Mikhail though. Like, dude, Malik's just not working for you, buddy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, McHale, you became a starter as Mikhail Cunningham, but malik Malik's getting his ass kicked on college game day. So, you know, just – Maybe consider that. Do you ever remember
1: a player changing their name like that that many times?
0: Uh, Puma Pass,
1: yeah, <laughs> that's the other one. You're right,
0: <laughs> Louisville. You got to have three quarterbacks if you're going to be uh, a quarterback at Louisville. Evan Conley is going to name uh, change his name to Trevin Devin Conley next, so just, just to keep us on our toes. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed that ass whooping. Uh, I, I actually. I kind of wanted it to be closer because the the slate Saturday, look it, it wasn't great. The the noon time slot actually gave us some a few nice surprises. Um, Louisiana and Georgia State, you kind of warned us, like, hey, Louisiana, like this is this is a tough spot. You get a big win, you got to go on the road to kind of a tough Georgia State team, and that they ended up having to, to pull that one out in overtime. Um, so there there was a couple good games sprinkled in there, but for the most part, the week. I guess it's week three last week. It, it, it wasn't the the most competitive
1: football that we were we're going to
0: watch this season.
1: Well, it was just really thin after the noon slate. And it's kind of the same this week, which we'll get into later. Navy had that comeback against Tulane, which was kind of incredible. Yeah. Na- Navy going to Navy.
0: Triple option, too. Like, of all of the right. offenses to, to overcome a 24 nothing deficit,
1: triple option probably last on that pecking order. We had another Syracuse snooze fest. If you're wanting to take a nap on Saturday afternoons, find Syracuse because they are providing that 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 missing Big Ten football right now. If you want to see some sloppy, ugly football, find Syracuse at noon. Find Syracuse provided. playing
0: Pitt, too. Like you want to talk. I mean, that that's basically two Big Ten schools.
1: Somehow found a way to cover a spread by getting forty percent of their offense on one play. And of course, they score their only touchdown of the day on that one play. Pitt misses three field goals. Had like six or seven possessions inside the forty, can only come away with twenty twenty points or whatever they ended up with. Just disgusting, Pat Marciusi. Just absolutely disgusting. Oh but man. Oh, uh, that that's that's my takeaway. Syracuse. If you want to, if you're trying to go to sleep, uh, put the orange on. 330 slate, like you said, it was pretty thin. You had uh, App State Marshall on CBS. Which was
0: okay. First off, it was weird to have like the big SEC on CBS music and you're in Huntington, West Virginia. Like it just, I don't know. Like it, it was, um, it was kind of like you're doing like a blind taste test and somebody tells you that this is Coke, but it's definitely like.
1: RC Cola, Cola. yeah, like it's (laughs)
0: it's not it's it's not even Pepsi. Like you're like this is just this is off. But hey, credit to Marshall, they made two crazy good plays at the end Mm -hmm. of the game to to upset App State. One Appalachian State, like the I think it was their tight end was just running away uh, towards the end zone, gets the ball poked free, uh, fumbles it and and did they block a field goal or was there an interception there was one other play late that kind of when app state was making a run that marshall did that i was like
1: oh good job marshall you go glenn coco and then ucf handling their business at georgia tech
0: yeah they, and they that, that score was deceiving too because that was, was. A, they, they really ran it up towards the at end, the end. Of the third quarter. it got out
1: of hand because georgia tech was kind of in we have to go for it mode and they got stopped on The wrong side of the fifty a couple times, Um, and Georgia Tech had some red zone turnovers. So that's becoming a thing for them. And another block field goal, but they just uh, UCF looked good. Dylan Gabriel uh, looks really good at quarterback, and that was that was kind of the big three thirty game.
0: I saw Mackenzie Milton on the sideline. Is he
1: is is he not is he supposed to be able to come back? No, he's supposed to be able to come back at some point this year. But I don't think you can play him over that kid they got right now.
0: Right, that kid's like, really good. And the way that I mean my understanding is that it wasn't Alex Smith bad, but like maybe Teddy Bridgewater right. bad. And it was that bad happened towards the end of the year, so like I can't see him being back in less than a year. So you know, I I, I don't know. It was just it,
1: well, it'll be two it'll be 2 years. It'll be 2 years? Come November at no at Thanksgiving. Poor kid.
0: And, like, you know, he was a day-two draft pick probably, and he could have ended up being one of those that's, like, a, a bottom of the first rounder, you know, when it's all said and done, he goes through the Who draft knows? process. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, like, gosh, just brutal. Um, but, hell, I forgot—I completely forgot about him until they showed him on the sideline. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. hey, he, he
1: is there. But Josh Heupel's got him rolling. The good news Josh is – Josh Heupel, man, like, he's turned out, I think, to be pretty good. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's done.
0: I completely, At Missouri or UCF. Oh, especially in Missouri. I mean, you know, look what Derek Dooley did to that offense. Um, but I I forgot that he was a national championship quarterback. Like, I, I remember the Jason White and them getting their ass kicked by – who was it that beat him? Was it Miami that beat USC. him? USC. Yeah, it was like 42-7. to seven. I I forgot that they actually won it with Heupel, and I guess that would have been Stoops' first title?
1: His only title. Wow. He, wait, he only won one title? Mm-hmm. They win a bunch of times. I think they've lost the national championship like th- three or four times. They lost this, to Florida in 08. They lost to the USC, like you're talking about. And the, there was one more I think they lost. Plus, um, the times awesome they've been to the playoff playoffs here recently. So, yeah,
0: yeah. Big, big, man, kind of a scene a theme here where Oklahoma always bridesmaid, never the bride.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, but luckily, we're going to start getting some more. Uh, games back this weekend where it's like hey these are real football teams and i like the way you phrase it on the monday huddle and folks if you aren't reading the monday huddle it's essentially adam luckett's version of the monday morning quarterback each monday at 10 a.m you'll you'll find it on kentuckysportsradio.com and it was here comes the varsity was the title and that's what it felt like because you know college football that first weekend it was the hell Really, the second weekend, I guess, because Labor Day didn't give us much. But that first big weekend of it was like, oh, this is great! Football's back. And then the following Sunday, we got to watch the pros, and it's like, oh, that's what good football looks like. Where it's not just you know getting lined up wrong and letting people score seventy-five yard touchdowns on you. It's it's good on good. And I think this weekend's going to be the first time we see some good on good. And as we said when the schedule came out. Probably the best good on good you'll find is Kentucky at Auburn at noon on the SEC Network. The primetime crew, they said, screw you, South Carolina. We're not going to (laughs) go watch Stephen Garcia's reincarnate play quarterback. We're going to bring Jordan Rodgers, Cole Kublik, and Tom Hart. They'll be down on the planes at Kublik's alma mater uh, for the game, except for I,
1: I don't believe Hart will be there. I think he's still doing the calling from home. That was my question. I know I figured Kubelik be on the field, but like they did for the Iowa State game when Louisiana beat him, Hart was at home and Golic was home. I would assume mm-hmm. Rodgers will be at home and so will Hart. And Rodgers will be on SEC, the morning show, whatever they call yeah,
0: it. Yeah, SEC Nation. Um, and, and I think that's how they're going to do it all year because yeah. in their SEC Nation press release, they just straight up said that Rodgers is going to be doing it from home studio, so – it's going to be different, but in that Louisiana game it, I didn't really notice it. Uh, like, I, I, I couldn't tell anything was really off there with their – even with the chemistry or anything, and that was with a crew who hasn't been working together for a few years.
1: The only time you notice it is when the game starts when they go to them and show them not in a booth, mm-hmm. and then at halftime, when they come back from halftime and show them they're not in the booth. Other than that, I don't think you really notice it. For me, at least, the announcers just, they just kind of blend in for most of for a lot of the game. Like if you're just watching the game and you're really focused on it, you're just they're in and out. I guess you could say.
0: I like to fo- football. You're like it doesn't. I don't care what announcer it is. I'm watching the game. Damn it!
1: But like, <laughs> but you can notice the bad ones. Good ones you don't like. Good ones you don't really notice. Mm-hmm. The whole time, you know, some at important spots. Whereas I think watching other sports, I think it matters more. I think of basketball because yeah. action is more nonstop; it's going, going, going. Like uh, Mike Breen saying, "Bang!" You know. And then in baseball, there's so much dead time to fill. Where football, there's dead time to fill, but I don't know. It's kind of like a happy medium.
0: Ooh, which I need to ask you a question: Are your Cincinnati Reds are they going to do this?
1: it's going to come it's going to be close. They really needed to win tonight. That would have made me feel a lot better about it. Oh, it's they, like they're down one going they they lost like a game cast up up here. Oh, but, they were
0: winning. They they scored early, but Yeah, I, they scored two attention. in the
1: first first or second, I think. So they lost oh. 3-2 tonight. Tomorrow's going to be a huge game.
0: Got Are the Twins the any good because I know they ended. Yeah, they're
1: pretty good. They're going to make the playoffs. Oh man. I think they might win the division.
0: I know that uh, folks got their hopes up on Monday because Cincinnati won and everybody else in the wild
1: card. Phillies losing twice today helped. They lost a doubleheader. And then the Cardinals are the other one you have to look out for and they're up three nothing. They lost last night too. So
0: it's really bizarre that you're like, Yeah, they're going for the wild card. They're just trying to get to five (laughs) hundred. It's a it's a bizarre
1: the A C in the NBA playoffs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or that
1: last uh or that that sucky division in the nfl where eight and eight Oh
0: yeah like nfc east every year <laughs>
1: or <laughs> nfc west used to be like eight years ago back when all those before the seahawks got good right back when right it was just below
0: and hell i think the seahawks when beast mode happened they were like a eight right, and that year. yeah they, they were real were. bad and they surprised the oh i forget that who that was that he went beast mode on them um uh, but they Saints. were really bad that year yeah Um, but I don't know how we got sidetracked, uh, because this isn't baseball time. It's football time and Adam Luckett, I want to play a a game with you because we've, we've talked a lot about Auburn and Kentucky and I want to, I think if we, this is just a way to talk about it differently to kind of get the juices flow, get the hamster wheels turning and we can kind of go wherever we want from there. But. It's a little game that I created, never been done before, and it's brought to our friends at MyBookie. Like, I'm sure all of you all know right now, this is the best sports time ever. Pretty much every day you can make a meaningful wager, and you can do it with MyBookie, whether you're betting on Anthony Davis to, to beat the Nuggets with a three at the buzzer, or betting for the Celtics to come back against the Miami Heat. And the I don't know fifty football games that are happening this weekend. <laughs> my bookie is the place to do it. Whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your bet best bet this season with the biggest online selection of bets and props. They've made it simple to win and easy to withdraw your cash. Right now, they've got 100k super contests for only a ten dollar entry, and they're giving away five thousand in cash prizes every four weeks. You'd be crazy not to invest your knowledge with that kind of potential return on your investment. Ten bucks to win thousands. Sign me up. You can sign up at my bookie. Just use the promo code personnel. Yes, that's as in eleven personnel. P E R S O N N E L. Use the promo code personnel to claim your 100 percent deposit match all the way up to a thousand bucks. So if you put in a hundred bucks, they'll give you another hundred bucks to jumpstart your bankroll and win some cash betting college football this season that's my bookie use the promo code personnel to match your deposit a hundred percent a crazy deal with my bookie now before we make some college football picks we're going to play a game of fill in the blank at a market and i want to start with this blank will be the weirdest part about watching Saturday's game?
1: That's that's a good one. Because it's going to be different. Like, not. I know that – Empty stands at these big stadiums that were used to being filled. So, empty stands at Jordan-Hare, that will be weird. It really hasn't hit me yet, but I do think it will hit me for some of these SEC games. Like, at 3.30 when – LSU plays Mississippi State. Mike Leach runs out, and there's all these empty stands. That will be weird.
0: Yeah. Like, and especially in college where, like, maybe I've romanticized it, but, like, the notion of, like, the pageantry and the bands and the dancers and, like, it just – it feels like there's a lot of tradition. um, And you're just – you're not going to have that. Like, you don't have the War Eagle at Auburn. That's just – weird but the weirdest part for me is not being at the game this will be the first game i didn't go to last year's game at mississippi state which was a great decision Um, so but i I can't really count skipping a mississippi state game in starkville but i've only missed a handful of games in 10 years i mean i've been been doing this for at least five so like just not being at the game is going to be weird to the point like it that I've trained my brain to like be press box working, I'm really worried about watching from the couch and like my mental state through this. And like now I get to scream at the
1: television and just piss off my wife. That was going to be the road trip this year for a lot of people. Yeah. Going to Auburn. That that stinks. hmm This won't really hit you, I guess, until the first home game, but kind of my runner-up answer here the tailgating not being able to tailgate yeah not being able to plan your whole saturday around that when you've been doing it most a lot of people their whole life now weird.
0: have you come up with an alternative for are you gonna are you gonna have like a tailgate of sorts at home um to to kind of in lieu
1: of no tailgating for me it's just gonna be i'm gonna watch more games So, I got the three TVs set up in the basement. So, I'm just going to hang out in my lair and consume everything I can. Fair enough. Because there is a part – like, going to the tailgates is fun. It's awesome. It's one of my favorite things to do all year. And I have a lot of fun doing that. But there's also – there's a little buyer's remorse with it, too, because there are days you miss or games you miss that you really can't catch up on because by the time you get back, you're moving on to the next week. And college football happens so damn fast. That yeah. really it's on, you know, it's 12 hour Saturday and boom, we're on moving the next week. And so there, there is that part of it, but it's also like, this year is also going to be like, a, I guess a case study for me where I get to see everything and then how much do I miss the tailgate portion of it?
0: Well, and I think you're going to find out that you miss it more than you think once yeah. you get a, some, some stinky noon slates, you know, like, or mm-hmm. you get some postponements, you get some weird matchups. Cause I think the, you're right. It's not going to hit as much because it's a road game, but going to the catwalk, seeing all the players, like that get that really gets the juices flowing. And then I would typically – I'd put my stuff down upstairs, and then I'd come hang out at our, our unofficial KRC 11 personnel tailgate down by gate 10 and usually, you know, talk a little trash, kind of just just get and in Jesus game followed. one. Right. Yeah, it, and – man uh and then i typically have like 30 minutes before the game where i just don't talk to anybody it's like uh it's kind of like you couldn't when i was in high school you couldn't talk to our head coach he would just sure. like kind of walk around the hallways, just muttering to himself and he would kind of be like pointing it around like thinking things through his head he's just going through scenarios of what's going to happen in this game it's about 30 minutes for the game i just got to shut everything off and kind of power down because it's going to be amped all the way up and i don't Man, being in that routine, it's going to not having that's going to be weird. Watching it with my son, like watching a uh, an important sporting event with my son, that's that's a whole different ball game. So it's it's going to be weird, and I hope that you folks out there have found some creative ways to um, still get the juices flowing. If you do, please tweet them into us, share them with us, because we're going to need help too. <laughs> so right. tweet them into us at Roush KSR, at Adam Luck at KSR. Um, And, you know, maybe we'll share some of them on the show because I think everybody's going to need some help this football season getting back into the right frame of mind.
1: None of that Kroger-filled press box popcorn whenever you want it, Mr. Roush.
0: No, no, none of the the cheap coffee. Just keep going back (laughs) to I'm about four a game, give or take. And then maybe throw in a Coke Zero, too. Coke Zero, great product. Uh, absolutely great product. Okay, this one, this fill in the blank, Adam Luckett. Just hear hear out the entire sentence. UK's blank versus Auburn's blank will be the greatest position battle. UK's blank versus Auburn's blank will be the greatest position battle.
1: Auburn's receivers versus UK's secondary.
0: You kind of read my mind there.
1: Specifically, Kelvin Joseph versus Seth Williams.
0: Seth Williams, if you don't know him, he's a big boy, standing at six foot three, uh, number 18 in your programs. He's their kind of big go to guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, according- to 211
1: pounds, junior, former top, like 200, 250 recruit. Led them in receiving last year. Potential all SEC guy. Probably be three and done. Probably be in the draft after this season. Easter guy on offense
0: yes um in the, the other guy who I, I think is going to play I mean like he's obviously going to play a big role and that's Schwartz mm-hmm. which when I think of Schwartz what's what's the first Schwartz that comes to your mind when you hear the word Schwartz
1: wasn't that like a Charlie Brown characters or the guy who wrote Charlie Brown or something Yes. Was oh, that's, uh,
0: no, that was Schultz, Charles Schultz. Schultz. Yeah. Okay. So I should like. Typically, it would be right to space balls with Schwartz. Your Schwartz is as big as mine, but it's actually a Christmas story, because Schwartz is yeah. one of his buddy, and I think Schwartz is the yeah, kid who puts yeah, his tongue yeah. on the pole. Um, but this Schwartz much different. He's their kind of slight scatback type, uh, Here's what, a jet sweep uh, kind of deal.
1: He's kind of a two-two will kind of mold where he's only going now I think Tutu's more polished as a receiver this guy's only going to touch the ball three four five times probably but every time he touches it he's dangerous like you said they'll run him on a ton of motions and stuff they'll probably do it a couple times hope you fall asleep and then hit you with a jet sweep or hit you with an end around or they'll you know just run verticals with him so he's a guy you always got to be cautious and know where he is they'll be flying him up in different places he has world-class speed he was a high, the high school like player of the year in track of field athlete of the year track and field senior year of high school Like if he went down that road i think he could have potentially been an olympic kind of guy so world class um,
0: kind of like um Trending holiday i've loved i mean Trendon holiday he was a little twerp though he was only like five eight five nine but
1: yeah this guy's a little bigger
0: it, it, yeah he's he's listed at six foot um uh, but I, I just every time LSU played that year, and I guess it was the 07 year, and he hung around for a while, but they would always show him running like doing hurdles because he even ran track for LSU still while he was playing football for them. Um, but what I'm curious, especially in Schwartz's case, because you mentioned Joseph and Williams, they're probably locked up the entire time. But I'm curious when he's in the slot, who's going to be lined up over him? Because when we got our depth chart like it, Stoops was kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth because on the coach's show, he said Devontae Robinson's not playing, but on the depth chart, he's number one at Nickelback ahead of Vito Tisdale, who Stoops also said Vito was dealing with some things. And it kind of, he's like, yeah, but he'll be back this week though. So it kind of led a, 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 an astute individual would probably say, well, it sounds like he was probably in contact tracing for COVID um, if he was just out for a couple of weeks and now he's back. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to throw out there at nickel, uh, and I think that's pretty purposeful. How little heat they've kind of dove into individuals' responsibilities in the secondary throughout this preseason.
1: Nickel's going to be a spot uh, you're going to need a lot because Auburn, from where I'm sitting, I think they're going to live in pretty much eleven personnel for the most part. They might Ooh. get lucky get a you know get two running backs, two tight ends out there sometimes, but. When you look at the strength of Auburn's team and you consider Chad Morris is calling plays, you would figure, you know, it's going to be a lot of spread formations. So, and they're going to try to take advantage of those receivers and that quarterback they have. But I mean, we'll see how it shakes out. They got a lot of candidates. I think Kentucky does to play that nickel spot. We've heard Eccles has been tinkering there in the past. That if. They both. If Robinson and Tisdale had issues, that would seem like the guy, and then they could just put Dort in. So then you got Eccles, Dort, right, and Joseph right. on the field at the same time, and you don't have to mess with the safeties.
0: And those might be your and
1: Asian are mostly where they're at. Well,
0: that might be your best three corners too. Right. So like, why not have especially him on the
1: field? a guy like Schwartz? If that's a guy you're lining up with a lot in the slot, um, putting a guy with you know some man cover skills on him and and Eccles. Um, I think that would make
0: some sense. And Echols is a good tackler, too, because um, you right. know that – That's
1: the way you needed that spot. You're right.
0: The way that kind of Gus Malzahn's offense works is – like I think of it as a lot of sideline to sideline. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think of it as a lot of misdirection, sideline to sideline, and trying to just uh, use space to your advantage.
1: So Wing T, principles, offense. What I mean by that is a lot of eye candy – a lot of jet motions, so that's when your receiver runs straight down the line, orbit motions where they make a loop. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll, they'll get in unbalanced formations. They'll do that little muddle huddle where like, kind of, to kind of trick you, where they huddle like real close, like two yards by the ball. Um, if they get a successful play, they're going into tempo. They're going mm-hmm. fast. So, yeah, it's a lot. And then off, off the passing game with Malzahn, it's always been kind of a rinky-dink passing game. That's what I mean when I say – Valzon has a rinky-dink offense. The pass concepts are pretty dinosaur. It's a lot of play action, deep shots. It's not – you know, they don't get the tight end involved in the passing game in the past. And I think that's why Nick struggled a little bit because he's more of RPO, kind of dink and spread the field, dink and dunk, air rate type, type schemes is what he played in in high school and what he probably does best at. And they were asking him to run around and throw the ball deep a lot, which that was the rap coming him out of high school was – Deep ball is something he struggles with, and I think you saw that play out for them a little bit last year. But with Morris coming in, it's more of, you know, RPO-based. Now it's still up-tempo. Malzahn and Morris were two guys, I think, in college football that really cashed in on the tempo when that started. Malzahn was the first one really in the SEC. Morris did it at Clemson. But as people have adjusted to that and the rules have been tinkered, like the substitution rule, stuff like that, you've really seen those two guys, I think, their offense has gone back down to earth. I think people have kind of figured it out. Um, Malzahn, is, he's gone back and forth, play calling, not play Colin, but his offense kind of stays the same. We'll see if it changes at all with Morris. But playing Auburn, it's always about stopping the run. If you can stop the run, you're going to be in a pretty good spot. But we don't know. Uh, maybe this is the year when he has a five-star quarterback that he's willing to change.
0: Yeah, and it's also, too, like – on what scale do you believe in, Bo Nix? You know, I, I became a believer immediately when he made one throw against Oregon, but yeah. I, I, I'm clearly – like, that's just like, oh, my gosh, he made one big play. Um, I don't know if he's a real deal. Freddie's pretty bullish on him. Lockett, are you bullish on him?
1: When Yeah, I like Nix. When you watch him, you see some special stuff. Like, he's got some boxy. <laughs> like, oh you yeah. You can see stuff with him. He can run around, make some throws. I think he's got accuracy, which accuracy travels, especially in the short to intermediate areas. I just don't like the offense. Now we'll see what it looks like on Saturday. But he had some bad moments last year, but he also had some good moments. Of course, you know, he turned it on Oregon in that opener, went in the fourth quarter. They beat Alabama. But we'll see. I mean, his numbers were not good last year. He was no. under seven yards per attempt, fifty-seven percent completions. He only ran for three hundred and change, so so that he kind of held them back last year at the quarterback position. But I don't think that was all his fault. I think the pieces are there for him to succeed this year. But we'll see, we'll see what they do.
0: Well, that leads me to my next fall in the blank. If blank plays great, Kentucky loses.
1: I would say if Auburn's defensive line plays great, that would kind of make it a stalemate with Kentucky's offensive line. And then Kentucky loses. The way Kentucky wins this game is, is they take advantage of the biggest, I think, mismatch in the ball game. And that's Kentucky's O-line against that, that front, that front four of Auburn, a rebuilt front four.
0: It's, you look as, depth- it's as Wayne and Young said, we're going to make them earn every single blade of grass, which is just the, I mean, what a badass. Like that quote right there, just punch him in the mouth with that one. My goodness, that is incredible.
1: I love it. Auburn last year, I had this in the Monday huddle. You know this stat if you haven't already. Of course, Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson were both five star recruits, and they both play right away, and they both end up being top 50 picks in the NFL draft. And so that's two gaping holes that they lost. I'm pulling it up right now. What it was, but that's what they're they're facing. Like it's a total rebuild. These these guys were the heart and soul of their defense in a lot of ways last year. So let's see if I can find it here. Great radio, I know.
0: Well, I mean, but like that's <laughs> it's easier said than done. And I know if you look at the the just overall talent. Uh, mm-hmm. Auburn's recruited well. They've got twice as many four stars as Kentucky over the same amount of time. But the four stars, they ain't been playing. You know, like you gotta, you gotta have a little bit of experience. And I believe they lost six of eight, something like that. I got
1: it right here. Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown. Now these are two guys that are playing pretty much interior defensive line in the NFL. They're both like Derek Marlon Brown Davidson. Too. They stretched out to end last year, but he was 285 pounds. He was pretty much a tackle playing in. Derrick
0: Brown Derek, had a yeah. play for the Panthers and like I mean, he's just blowing dudes up in the NFL. Right. Like that dude's not missing a beat.
1: Okay, these guys, 103 tackles. These are two guys on the defensive line. 103 tackles, 13 and a half non sack tackle for loss, eleven and a half sacks, four forced fumbles. That is an insane amount of just ta- stops, an insane amount of havoc caused. I mean, that's just a lot. And then you look at they lost their top two tacklers. Former UK commit Jeremiah Denson is gone. Mm-hmm. And then their second leading tackler, so they're two. Set, so really, the front of their defense and the back end of the defense—they're having to replace. And you—you you mentioned that recruiting, Nick. I think that's important, but I also think it's important to remember how big of the gap is from the top dogs. So I'm talking Alabama, talking mm-hmm. Georgia, talking Clemson, Ohio State. Those guys have like double digits, almost top hundred recruits. Kind of contributing. When I look, when you look at Auburn's depth chart right now, they've got I think two starting. It's Bo Nicks and Owen Papo. Yeah. they're well linebacker. So the gap is a lot closer um, than people realize. And you look at Kentucky. Kentucky's got two top hundred recruits starting: Kelvin Joseph and Landon Young. Mm-hmm. So yes, they have more four stars, but I think or those guys how much, are, how closer many are actually to, playing. Right. You know, like yeah. that, I
0: think that that matters instead of mm-hmm. just on paper what they're kind of, uh, we've got this many four-stars. Yeah. Um, I know one of them that uh, it was a name from the past, uh, Marco Domio. Former mm-hmm. UK he reporter. got
1: beat out by a redshirt freshman.
0: Oh, he did get beat out? Mm-hmm.
1: They got oh. a redshirt freshman starting at corner. That was like their biggest depth chart. He's a yeah, high position. three-star kid from Georgia. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: Because I, I I forgot about him until if Phil Steele had him projected as a starter, but Domio got beat out. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, For my fill-in-the-blank, Mine's if KJ Britt plays great, it's going to be tough. And the reason why I think it's going to be tough is because you can beat up Auburn's offensive line, but you got to be able to get past that second level. And we saw it in that Tennessee game last year where Nigel Warrior and – now I can't think of his name. It wasn't Totu. Daniel Petuli. Petuli had like seven – like he had 20 tackles. And it's – I mean, he made the play of the game at the end. And it was just so frustrating to watch plays that normally would go for, you know, every third one you're, you're busting for an explosive of 12 yards or more. Like, they're stopping at four and six yards. And, like, right. some of them are getting stopped at the line. And that's where it can really make a difference. Kentucky has got to be able to get a body on him um, in order – to be able to take advantage of the the one you talked about in the trenches, um, because like you can you can get that initial push, but you still got to be able to get a body
1: on Britt. KJ Britt and Owen Papo. They're wood splitters at linebacker. When you when they hit you, you go backwards. There's no leg drive. There's no forward. Like you get hit, you go backwards. I love that it, phrase. I've never heard wood splitters. <laughs> I stole that from Gene Chizik, by the way. I, he said it on TV, and I was like, "That that is great. I'm putting that in <laughs> the bank. That is awesome. So, when you play them – and we saw David Reese at Florida wreck Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. And, and
0: he wasn't there in 18. And you saw what Kentucky was able to run oh, the and ball And a lot in of that
1: is is that their front held up and Kentucky could not get to the second level. Like, you look at Auburn's defensive line, they've got a 268-pounder redshirt freshman starting who's going to play their three technique. Like – that guy's going to get targeted. You have to move them on the double teams on inside zone, and you got to climb up to the second level. If they're able to do that consistently, they're going to have a really good day running the ball. If they're not, then K.J. Britt and Owen Papo are going to make a lot of tackles, and they're going to be a, a pain in the butt all afternoon to deal with, and especially on short yardage situations. I think that's really important. When you, when you look at those two guys, they can really – it can really hurt you because Kentucky could be efficient all day moving the chains, but then you get in third and twos and they're able to get some stops that could that could really sting. So that's something to keep an eye out in this game for for the for those linebackers, number thirty three and number zero.
0: Well, and and this brings me to my next point that I, I think would certainly help the running game. That's Kentucky's if blank plays well. I'm just going to go ahead and say Terry Wilson. Uh,
1: yeah, that's an easy one.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of self-explanatory if Kentucky can pass the ball. It's good for their offense, but their is young. They're replacing a lot of guys. Being able to put them on their heels so they can't creep those safeties up just to stretch out the defense. Kentucky didn't have that last year, and they were still able to run the ball effectively with the gimmick they had and the kind of workhorse they had out of Lynn Bowden, but... You got to be able to make some of these teams pay for selling out on the run. You got to have some play action. Yeah. And I I just, Terry's saying all the right things.
1: You got to see it though. We, we just have to yeah, see it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's a part of me that's nervous because I liked his confidence going into last season, but we were saying we still need to see it then. So uh, we, st- <laughs> like, the, it's a recurring thing, but we, we got to see it from Terry. If he can put up 250 yards, I'll feel really good about the Cats' chances because he's probably going to run for, you know, 35, 50 more on the ground. Uh, so I, Terry Wilson can really turn this game on its head. And as good as Kentucky's defense was last year statistically, like Kentucky's offense should be winning them some games this year. And to beat a team like Auburn, your offense needs to go out there and score some points to help your defense. When there's a lot of uncertainties out there, you should be able to take advantage of them with some of the scheme you've got drawn up.
1: With Terry Wilson, I think Kentucky first and second down, they're going to be fine. Like they'll need him to maybe throw a little couple dink and dunks, but running the ball, they'll be fine. I think it's really for him, it's third down. Can he get the offense move the chains, whether with his legs or making throws? I think that's the key for Terry. If he can be good on third, t- third downs, really all season, Kentucky's going to be damn good on offense. And, and, I th- I think and then if you, you get to the point where teams are all right, they're just gonna be like, all right, okay, the hell with it, we're putting eight, we're manning up on the outside, and then that's when the big play opportunities come. That's when you can sneak a tight end out up the scene mm-hmm. on a play action. And that's when, you know, you can have those big pass plays. But in the meantime, AJ I think Rose it's be, out, you know, right? like, yeah. Yeah. But in the meantime, I think it's gonna be important. Really, it's the third and mediums to me. Can you get those third and sevens, third and six? Can he find a way to, to convert those a lot of times it's just the quarterback converting those it's not anything else it's the quarterback making a play
0: yeah and i i think throwing on first down is is important to to like just get him in a rhythm like i think we're gonna see a lot of just quick little hitches and little yeah. bubble screens just to like it's like sending a, a shooter in a slump to the free throw line like there needs to be some sort of just throwing and catching out there just to get him get him going because there's gonna be some rust uh you know he he's talked to that at length today about how he's just not thinking about the emotions just thinking about the game plan but like a lot of this comes down to ultimately like once uh, Eddie Grant's phrase once the bullets are flying how are you gonna react and
1: mm-hmm. uh, get him get him a hit early. Right. I would almost um, run QB counter or QB power first play just to get it done with. Yeah. <laughs> just, I would tell him, You not you run two hands over the ball like you're a grade school fullback, but you just we want two yards and I want you to get hit. That's all we're looking for this play. Just to just to get it out. I would just do it just to get it out of the way.
0: Yeah, and it's also do you remember the first time you went into a varsity football game? Yeah. I remember running on the field. And the lights felt so bright. Right. Thought like, you were
1: playing in the Coliseum. The oh the Coliseum. my God. Yeah.
0: But like I went in at defensive end. So I think within the right away, like i you're just you're getting hit. You're getting popped in the mouth. And then it's like, okay, like this is this is normal again. Like in it's so hard to like I can't even imagine what it's like it, at that level where you're playing in stadiums that big. But I do think that like, it, there might be something to Terry's mentally. Like I, I'm I'm sure he's not going to this sort of level. We're really get putting our psychoanalysis hat <laughs> on. But like, I think there is a kind of gratefulness in when he shows up there, and like, who cares if it's only seventeen thousand students, like. Oh my God! Thank God we're just playing this game of football, and I, I think you're going to get a lot of that from the old the old heads on this Kentucky football team. And uh, I, you know, I, I wanted to play, pay dividends. I really do because I'm excited for this football team, and I think it's important that they punch Auburn in the mouth first uh, to really really set the tone um, in a game that's going to
1: probably be defined by physicality. Let's repeat that question again. I think it's my turn.
0: Oh, Kentucky wins if blank plays well.
1: Kentucky wins if Kentucky's run defense plays well.
0: Stop the run.
1: If they're able to stop the run, get Auburn in obvious passing situations, a pass rush against an unproven offensive line with two brand new tackles, going against a defense, a pass defense that figures to be one of the best in the country. I think if you're able to do that, I think – Kentucky's going to have a lot of success on defense. They're going to be able to win the game in a lot of ways if they're able to stop the run.
0: There's there's one thing you said earlier that I did want to kind of revisit that I, it it always worries me with tempo teams because the Kentucky has strength in numbers on the defensive line. And if, if you get rolling tempo, like, you'll lose that strength because you can't sub quick enough. Well, you got – well, there.
1: the old hammy drill – Oh, that's
0: oh, I forgot about that. Oh, we're gonna see a lot of that. Quentin Bohana yeah. go down. Oh, bully,
1: give me. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm just not saying, but he <laughs> has done that, you know. They've had um interesting times where uh, they would need the medical staff to run out of the field. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which by the way, way, if you complain about that,
0: like <laughs> get it's getting out of here. Yeah, yeah I on. don't
1: I don't wanna hear yeah, I don't want to hear it. that I just don't want to hear it. <laughs>
0: I also like that somebody asked on Stoops's college show if they have a uh, any sort of package where they put Bully and Bohanna in at the same time, and he said no. But He's, you got to go, go line line. that you would, ha- yeah, you yeah, would have, yeah, yeah, like to. you have to. But like, just imagining both of those dudes lined up in the A gaps, holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> goodness gracious! Yeah, oh, so, uh, but to your point about Kentucky's run defense. It's it's something we haven't talked about much at all, um, but it's you can't have some real bad MAs when you're subbing out Davis or Square for Bimbry or Casey or Derek Jackson. Yeah, you can't. You, you just can't, because uh, I mean Brad White. Like the thing that I like about Brad White is he's pretty nuanced in the way that he talks um, about players in – with those three guys, he always makes sure he mentions Jackson, but Mike, he's like, you know, obviously they're not a finished product, but we feel confident when they're in the game that they will they'll be sufficient. Mm-hmm. And basically how I read that is. I don't think they're going to have times where square and Davis are both out. <laughs> I think you're only seven, one guy in and out for a few plays. Uh, and then, you know, flipping from there. Um, because, those dudes weren't playing that position last year, and, and it's it's going to be coming at them fast. And you hope that they don't fall for those shiny lures, uh, the 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 flashing lights that that Malzahn's going to throw at them uh,
1: in that offense. Kentucky's defense been good at a lot of things, but the last two years they've ranked tenth and twelfth in yards per carry allowed. Like they they do give up some stuff in the run game, and so I think we've heard Brad White talking about getting more aggressive, getting more playmaking out of the defensive line spot. I think that's part of the reason Josh Paschal has slid down, mm-hmm. is they want they want more. And a lot of reason those numbers are like that is because they just don't get the havoc plays. They don't get the run stuffs. They don't get the tackles for loss right. from the guys up front. I think that's what they're looking for more. If you get more of that, um, they should be able to capitalize. And I look at Auburn. Rebuilt offensive line, uh, they have four running backs. They're really just throwing them all at the wall. They don't really know who they're going to go with. After having every offense he ever had have a 1,000-yard rusher, Malzahn two years in a row has not had that. And so the, this is year three. They don't really know who they're going to go with. And so on paper, this doesn't look like it's going to be one of the better running offenses in the SEC. So for Kentucky, it's the kind of a team you need to stop. Like You need to stop the run. If you're able to stop the run – You're going to be in really good shape. Force pro next to beat you. Right. So. Well, then it's then – you're playing the strength of your defense, I think, too, if you're able to do that. I think the pass rush – I think you consider Boogie Watson's probably going to be one of the better pass rush guys in the SEC. Mm -hmm. You got a secondary who, by all accounts, is really good with a ton of returning production, and you're adding two potential NFL players in Devontae Robinson, if he's healthy, and Kelvin Joseph. So, bring it on. Good things should happen if you're a, if you're able to get them in predictable passing situations. You would think.
0: Yeah, especially with that defensive line, because I think I think Boogie's numbers are gonna be a lot better because you're just getting a little bit more natural push. It was kind of like, uh, I mean, he he was able to pick up a lot of scraps as a sophomore, um, just of guys going away from Josh yeah. Allen, you know.
1: So, uh, well, and, I think the jack position is big for Boogie too if you if they're able to have two guys really kind of screaming off the edge it just makes things so much difficult man
0: stoops loves jj weaver (laughs) he really does like he every time jj weaver comes up he's like that guy ain't gonna be around very long (laughs) so he he, yeah
1: pascal on the interior and i think they need to find one more interior guy who's gonna be that other guy because Calvin Taylor was that guy last year. Yeah. Obviously, lost maybe,
0: maybe Big Snack, Phil Hoskins.
1: Yep. Hoskins in a limited role. He showed that in 2018. Yeah. He showed really high level pass, interior pass rush.
0: Okay. And that, that leads me to the BBN doesn't really know blank, but they will after Saturday.
1: BBN doesn't really know blank. This is a good one.
0: Mm hmm. But they're going to get to know him. It's after obviously Saturday. Like,
1: like the answer you want to give is um, Demarcus Harris, right?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, i itching for it. Even though he yeah. was second on that depth chart, uh, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really hoping he gets a, he gets a big play on Saturday because really that's what it comes down to.
1: JJ Weaver is a good one.
0: Yeah, that is, uh, and especially because even when we saw him, like he was just like this project kind of, right? You know, you, you. you it's like a he's going to be good in years. Well, I, I think he could be just good net right away. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that's a
1: good one. I like it. I like JJ. Yeah. That's probably what I would go with it. I think Weaver, at least what I had in coming out of high school was more, I think he could have been more impactful as a run defender. I think what I've seen from him more, I think he had a ways to go in the past game, but I think as a run defender, i um, taking on blocks, shedding blocks and really being kind of a force player, um, Right there at the line of scrimmage, I think that's where he can maybe make a big factor early.
0: Man, so how did how did you like fill in the blank?
1: That was good. We'll have to do that. We'll yeah, maybe that's a recurring segment. Fill
0: in the right. blank. Brought to you by my bookie. Use code personnel. You get a hundred percent of your deposit matched at MyBookie.ag. Ag. Look, at, let's let uh, I, I don't feel like we need to make like actual predictions um, as of yet. Yeah, let's just go to the college football site where you can. Uh, put a little bit of coin over at my bookie on some of these teams. And I'm, I I have a, I'm wondering like it. Cause you fell asleep watching this team. Are we still fading Syracuse? They're eight. They're eight. I'm still riding it. They're eight point dogs against Georgia tech who, I mean, you know, Georgia tech, they, they still feel like they're a fun team to bet on. Whereas like Syracuse is the opposite. So I still think you probably
1: ride with the, you know, the rambling wreck. Ultimately, the problem in Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh has no explosiveness in their offense. <laughs> so, like, when you looked at Pittsburgh last year, Kenny Pickett threw, like, 600 passes, and he averaged, like, 6.7, 6.6 yards per attempt, which is bad. When you throw that many passes, and you, that just, you're just dink at Duncan, and they couldn't really run – they can't run the ball either. So, it was a lot of just slow, methodical drives and then poop down your leg in the red zone for Pitt in that game. Yeah. Well, when you look at Georgia Tech – Which, by the way, Pitt is a three-point favorite against Louisville, which is just hilarious. When you look at Georgia Tech, I think they have a little bit more explosiveness. So, if they were to cash in on that explosiveness, I think they should have a good shot. Now, this will be the worst defense Syracuse has played. But they've looked pretty much lifeless on offense. Eight's a weird number, too.
0: Yeah, I would buy a point just to feel better about it. But uh, that's still
1: a lot a point and a half you're not really getting much value out of it when you do that yeah imagine telling somebody georgia tech would be more than a touchdown favorite in a conference game this year just like a month ago (laughs) (laughs) uh there's one acc though
0: there's one line that is interesting to me Lockett, and that's the game going on at the same time as kentucky this is in the varsity uh florida at Ole miss and the gators are they open at 12 and a half it's now up to 14 and a half and I really like that half point because I feel like that's asking a lot out of Florida to win by more than two touchdowns. I know that I, – I, that just feels like a big number for an opening game. Even though Florida's bringing a ton back, that's, that's a big number to go on the road in the SEC to
1: start your season. One of these double-digit dogs, you look at Georgia-Arkansas, Bama-Missouri, Florida-Ole Miss, LSU-Mississippi State, one of these teams is going to cover and make it a game there for a little bit. So, I think it really, if you pick it from those four, it's got to be the Egg eggball, right? You got to go with one of the eggball teams. Yeah. Yeah. You would think it'd be one
0: of them. And I, I just, I'm so like, I really want, like, there's a lot of reasons why I want Kentucky to win, but we're going to enjoy Mike Leach at Death Valley so much more if it's after a Kentucky win because what's that going to be? Like, that is, I'm, I'm just both sides. Yeah. Is, it is going to be such a mystery, and that's a really big number, too. And I, I feel like you just got to bet both dogs and pray. I, I think you just got to roll the dice with Egg Bowl. I know we're partial to it, but, like, those are some big numbers, and I I, I can't see
1: both of those teams showing up. I, I just I can't. Look at that total 57. Mississippi State's defense stunk when Willie Gay wasn't out there last year. Mm-hmm. LSU's got, they should be able to score some points. And Mississippi State's got a good quarter. I mean, Costello's a good quarterback. So you figure they can, that's it's the over seems like one I would, that's one to that just catch him eye, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. In I, that like, game.
0: I like that. Over. That's a 30 points a piece. They, they can easily hit that.
1: Yeah. Really, you're just looking for if LSU could get to 38 they get the 38th then you just need 20 from this you just need three touchdowns from mississippi state those are the i think the check marks and, and i think, think they can both get that yeah
0: they're going to get at least a couple of big plays yeah
1: um, lsu's tight end. bordron's oh, comparing him to calvin johnson eric gilbert
0: yeah i've heard about He's this a top guy. 10
1: recruit like this guy like we're probably gonna look at him and be like this dude had no business playing college football like we did with eric Stingley. like all accounts, this dude is the truth mm-hmm. so you had that in and the other talent they have. I mean, they, they, they've got receivers waiting in the wings. It's just going to be Ken Brennigan on the football.
0: Right. Right. Um, which by the way, I know, I, I don't know if you went back and watched it after I talked to you about it, but the coach O 60 minutes, like coach O is just a gem. You know, he is the easiest 60 minutes puff piece story because like he really, it's, it's pretty remarkable that he was just like this, you know, super eager little kid who wanted to grow up and coach LSU and, now he's there, but it was great because they went to his mom and Coacho's mom is exactly how you would think she is, like, right? Just Cajun to the core, right. you know. They've got to have some sea, seafood Apple gumbo before far it from the tree. Oh no, not at all, not at all. But if you haven't watched that, I, I highly
1: recommend it. Um, In the other two SEC games, Nick. Uh huh. The Bama line early came out at like twenty-two, I think. 20. Right. Like, that, that was – it's up to 28 now. Now it's to stay away from me. But at 2021, 20, that was, like, a lock. And now that, that thing yeah. has gotten crazy. Especially um,
0: once, like, Mizzou said they got a dozen people out for COVID. Right. Yeah, it's
1: it's going to get – And up. one of my principles for last year was Georgia Unders, obviously, because their defense was filthy. And then their offense really couldn't do anything. And so I look at this matchup, like, Arkansas scoring against that group, it's going to <laughs> be a damn accomplishment. Good job. Nice job, Fleet Bay, Franks. And so, 52, Georgia's breaking in a new quarterback. They're breaking in two new running backs, new old line, um, some new receivers. Um, so, there's always – there's there's going to be some tinkering, I think, with our offense. That game feels like 34-7, something like that. And the total at 52. That mm-hmm. feels like a pretty comfortable under for me. Um, that's one of my, my more favorite plays on the card. And then I look at South Carolina, Tennessee. Huge game, I think, for both programs. More importantly, South Carolina. I looked at the depth charts today for both. I see two really good defenses, and then I see offenses with skill talent that are just like, uh. You know, and then two quarterbacks, you're just like, uh. Tennessee, obviously, I think it has a little more skill talent. It just feels like an under. Like, it's 44. I only see one team getting to 20 points, if that. I know I mean, that's a low number, but it's just – both those defenses should be pretty good. It I just – two defensive head coaches, it just screams under to me.
0: I And you're right, too, especially – like, I'm looking at Tennessee's uh, receivers, and they're just – nothing's really jumping out. Um, right. Those guys last year, uh, Jaquez Callaway – or Marquez Callaway, and who is the other one? Jawan Jennings. Yeah, like, those dudes – those were some bad dudes, but now they're breaking in. All all, all these three – all these receivers are new. Uh, those running backs, Tyson Chandler never did anything for me. Uh, and, so,
1: And in this game, all it's going to take is one turnover early by either quarterback. And, and then the then head coach is like, uh-uh, what, uh uh-uh, <laughs> You know, three and out punt, we'll move the score off a short field. Who
0: hates their quarterback more, Jeremy Pruitt or Will Muschamp?
1: Pruitt right now. <laughs> champ ain't seen this guy yet. Pruitt right now.
0: Which, yeah, uh, I made the the reference earlier, and Luckett pointed this out to me. The the quarterback at Colorado State, he, he looks just like Stephen Garcia. He does. Or, uh, yeah, Colorado State transfer over South Carolina. He's playing over Helensky. It's very funny. I, I highly recommend you check that out. Um,
1: the guy's like 30 years old. He's like a twelfth year senior.
0: <laughs> so, Kentucky, there's seven-and-a-half point dogs. It opened at a couple different spots, but seven-and-a-half feels like the right number. Is looking. Are you going to play Cats plus seven and a half?
1: the The only thing I have in this game is when I look at the teams. I think it's a good matchup for Kentucky. I think they match up well in a lot of spots. I think Auburn's strengths kind of go with Kentucky's strengths, and then I think Kentucky has a big advantage, especially on offensive line. Yes. going up against them. And then I think defensive line, they could take advantage of an Auburn offensive line that's got a lot of new pieces. Gus Malzahn is saying, we're trying to find the best five, but we right now we don't know if they're at the best positions. We might have to do some shuffling. And that's not really what you want to hear about your offensive line going into the season. No. And no. Kentucky's got experience and depth where they should be able to take advantage of an offensive line that's kind of struggling right there So. When you consider all that, I think Kentucky matches it well. My only concern about this game is just that it's the first game and weird stuff happens in the first game. Right, Auburn right. is used to playing in games like this. Kentucky is not right off the bat. Malzahn has gotten – I think Auburn's gotten kind of outplayed the last two years in their opening games, Washington and Oregon. They somehow found a way to win both. Like, this is just kind of a game. They figure out a way to win. Obviously, I think seven and a half. You know, I I would lean with Kentucky there. But that's the only thing scaring me in this game. I wish this game was not the first game. I wish it was the second or third. I just don't like how it sets up early. But at the same side, I think Kentucky had some pieces where they might be able to finish uh, or have an edge on Auburn. Even Malzahn has admitted it, saying Kentucky's an older team. They've Mm -hmm. got a big, strong O-line. Or our defensive line is kind of reshuffling. Where we shuffle an offensive line, where we're not, we're not a veteran team, so we're just gonna have to figure it out in the game. Where Kentucky maybe has more answers ready to go and less shuffling. So that's really um, the only thing drawing me back is just that, and like we have to see it more from Terry. Like you gotta see it. We haven't seen it in over a year.
0: And and I think if you're a Kentucky fan, like and you want to feel really good about where the Cats are in the second quarter, it's they've hit an early big play action. They put some points on the board, and they can really lean on that run game because we saw how great that defense is when you can give them some time to to, to breathe a little bit, uh, and that's going to be key against this tempo. So I, I think it's really important. Like you could say, I mean, you could. There's two things you could say about every game: uh, take care of the ball and, and get out to a fast start. But I mean, Jesus Christ, how many times have we watched Mark stubbs teams just kind of look like crap in the first half? of their first games. Now, there's two exceptions. Southern Miss, they go up and blow up the scoreboard in the first half and then blow it. And then Louisiana, whenever Boom Liam scored on the
1: first play at the renovated stadium. But aside from that, they don't really jump out to 14-0 leads with two minutes left in the first quarter. Is
0: that that how long it took, to to get up to that? But, like, Kentucky's not good at covering against those kind of MAC teams. Mm There is not. But – if you can punch first in this game and lean on your run game to to kind of help your defense out, like, you know, you're not winning this game by a lot, but I think that's the right trajectory. That's that's how Stoops wants to win a big, tough football game on the road is lean on your strengths uh, to win in the trenches. And I ultimately think Kentucky will. I'm confident. I'm hyped. But, man, I'm going to be nervous as hell Saturday morning at a bucket.
1: Right. I truly do think – I think Kentucky's going to have success all day moving the ball from the 20s to the 20s. It's when they get down there. Like, can you finish? We've heard in camp they've had some red zone issues. Um, so, that's obviously a concern. And then kick, kicker. Like, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I think that could be big. Because the worst thing is going to be Kentucky has owned this game maybe until the end of the third quarter, and they're only up, I don't know, eight or something because they've left yeah. some points on the board. And then Auburn kind of storms back with their passing game. They're late. I could definitely see that playing out. That's that's a concern. I think Kentucky's going to move the ball consistently all game, um, but finishing drives is just going to be huge.
0: Man, I'm just
1: <sighs> – timely turnovers and timely third down conversions. Like I said earlier, can, can Kentucky get those third downs? Because I think they're going to be in a lot of third and manageables in this game. I really do. It's just going to be cashing in with first downs when you get there.
0: We're here like it. We did it. I know. Oh, man. I'm so I'm so happy. New yeah, kickoff.
1: One more thing with this Auburn team. There's definitely like the, the pendulum swings when on. good championship contending. Bad. Bad, like mid to low part of the conference. Six
0: and six, seven and five.
1: And the pendulum is on the bad side. It's due year. to swing back the bad way. And then you look at the roster. Like, there's some signs there that they got to prove. Like, they need Bo Nicks to be good and for that passing game to really take a big step forward. If he's not, they could be in trouble. And he's going up against what should be a pretty good pass defense right out of the shoot. So, we'll know right away with him, I think. And I think we'll probably know early in that game. But but we'll see. I mean, first game, like, I can't stress that enough. We're, so much weird stuff happens in a first game.
0: Hell, we've seen it in college football so far, that first weekend on special teams debacles. Just right, weird stuff all over the place so hopefully the ball bounces team, the Cats so hopefully,
1: away yeah you got an experienced team so hopefully that's mm-hmm. negated a little bit because this ain't these dudes first rodeo
0: right right time for the Cats to take advantage I can't wait I'm so happy it's game week it'll be here before you know it Whew. Ho- hopefully this has helped all of y'all listening out there get closer to kickoff Noon on the SEC Network. Cats, Tigers—it's a showdown we won't soon forget in a game in a season unlike any other. Thank you all for listening to Eleven Personnel. We see y'all next week. Cats will be one and zero. Go Cats! Go Kroger!